That video was taken a couple of years ago. Um, when someone was about four and a half years old, and all I wanted to do that day was cut the grass. And he wouldn't let me. He had to be a part of it. And I let him join. It took a whole lot longer with him helping. You see, Troy's my oldest. I have three kids. He's the oldest one. He's seven now, seven and a half. And one of the things I struggled with, um, you know, as my kids grew up and as I be, you know, was a father was just being a dad. You see, Troy hit this age, and I'm sure many of you have already experienced this, but he hit this age where all he wanted to do was be with his dad. Everywhere I wanted to go, everything I wanted to do, he wanted to help, and I wasn't used to it. And I'll be honest, it drove me crazy. It, it just drove me crazy. And in one particular time, I remember when I got home from work, probably had a lot on my mind, and I saw my trash can down the street. Wind came, blew the trash can over, and I thought, all right, and I got to get out of the car, go drag this trash can, th- you know, think through all that stuff. Got out the car, walking towards the trash can, and Troy came running out the house, said, Daddy, where are you going? Daddy, what are you doing? Daddy, why is that? What is that? Daddy, what happened? Daddy, can I go with you? Daddy, will you come play up in my room? Within 10 seconds, he asked me all of these questions. I had a lot on my mind, having to go get the trash can. I did my best to answer it, but I'll be honest, I was frustrated. I was aggravated. I'm pretty sure I just said, hey, hey, can you just go in the house and I'll be there in a minute? And it would happen all the time and it would be frustrating. Maybe you've You've probably never been frustrated with your kids before, okay? This is just a me thing. But that particular day, I got extremely convicted. You see, that little boy loves me. He will do anything I want to do. He just wants to spend time with his dad. He wants to know me. He wants me to be a part of his life. He wants me to know him and he wants to know me and he wants to share every single thing he did that day with me. He wants to pick my brain and learn from me. He wants to be like his daddy. And all he wants to do is talk to his dad. And Troy can talk. I don't know where he gets it from, by the way. All day long, you see, wherever I go, Troy chases after me. And I thought about it that day. When was the last time I chased God like that? Troy can sit around with me all day and talk, but I get so busy sometimes I forget to pray. Troy will sit down with me and let me tell him all about the world. I mean, he will believe anything I say. How does the moon work? I mean, I don't know how this stuff is, but he is willing to sit at his dad's feet and learn. But at times, the Bible can seem like a chore, reading it, going through it. I mean, when was the last time I just wanted to spend the day with God? See, Troy taught me something that day. He was showing me, his pastor father, the relationship I should desire with my heavenly father. Because what I find so amazing is we have a God, the God in the Bible, who is described as a God who wants that type of relationship with us, who wants us to depend upon him, who wants us to take him with us. He wants us to go with him. He wants to spend time with us. He wants an intimate relationship with us. And the thing about this God is, 
He doesn't get mad or aggravated with the time we want to spend with him. I'm pretty sure what Troy was showing me is what Jesus describes in Matthew 18. He says this, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. And notice he says, little, little children or a child. He doesn't say a grown adult and he surely doesn't say teenager, does he? But I bet if we were honest, maybe not you, but me, some of us have more relationship with God that would be described like our teenage years. You remember those? We think, well, God, he, he doesn't understand what we're going through. He doesn't get it. We don't, we don't really think he knows what he's talking about. I mean, we know the Bible's important, but come on, that was a long time ago. Surely they don't understand, doesn't understand what's happening today, does it? I mean, our friends, well, they know way more than he does, don't they? You see, and again, all of us have been the teenagers. This isn't a knock on you. We've all done that exact same thing. And some of us still act like that with God. You see, God... God wants us to chase after him like a little child chases after their daddy. And when we do, he responds in a mighty way. What I want you to know today is if you chase after God, he will chase after you. If you chase after God, he will chase after you. When we come to him like a child, ready to learn, ready to spend time, ready to talk, ready to share, he will then chase after us and we will go further, faster, and have more contentment in a better life with fewer regrets than you can possibly imagine because I really believe with all of my heart that God wants to bless you, God wants to invest in your life, and he wants to take you on a journey of a lifetime that would just be breathtaking if you allow him. You see, the thing is, you don't have to take my word for this. The great thing about the Bible is we get to read stories of other people. We get to learn from their mistakes, or we get to see how God used them in a mighty way. And today, we're going to look at the life of David. Remember, last week, you would have read and you would have learned about King Saul, Remember, Saul wasn't a man who'd be described as chasing after God. In fact, he was chasing after things of the world. And when Saul would be confronted with this, he didn't take responsibility for his actions. He would always blame something or somebody else. Remember, this is what was said. It says, but now your kingdom, this is said to Saul, will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You see, Saul, who was the king of Israel, the first king, was not chasing after God. He was chasing after other things. And then Samuel was told, well, Samuel's time to go find another king. And so Samuel was appointed to go anoint this new king, although King Saul was still there. God says, it's not gonna last. Now you need to go anoint the new one. So God tells Samuel where to go and he, evidently Jesse and them knew what was going on. So Samuel's in a room with Jesse. Jesse has a lot of sons. And he said, let's see your sons. And so Sam, excuse me, Jesse brings his sons in front of Samuel to anoint. Samuel sees the first son, the oldest son, the biggest son and goes, oh yeah, this must be the new king. 
He was impressed with his height and his appearance, but look what the Lord said. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, this is the verse that all of us need to memorize. We should put it on a mirror and remember it every single day while we're getting ready for work or school, that it's not just about that outward appearance. The Lord is concerned with our heart. Samuel thinks the oldest is the biggest, but God says, no, I'm looking for somebody different, somebody who has my desires. And so Jesse brings all of his sons, seven sons in front of Samuel, and none of them are the one he's to anoint. Samuel doesn't know what's going on. He's thinking, okay, God, you you, you told me to come here. I'm looking at these sons. None of them, this isn't it. So he asked Jesse, do you have another son? He says, well, yeah, just my youngest. He's out in the field. Think about that. Jesse knew this man of God was coming to his house to do something special and didn't even invite the youngest son. He's out in the field. So Jesse comes and brings his youngest son to him. And guess who gets anointed as the next king? Of course he does. His name is David. This was a man after God's heart. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he's an Old Testament scholar, says this. He says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. You see, a man, after, a man or woman after God's heart is somebody who will do everything he wants them to do. You see, David is described as chasing after God. Even when his own family didn't think he was worth bringing to him, he was in the middle of nowhere in a field where nobody else was tending sheep, but God knew his name, God knew who he was, and God said, that's the person. If you chase after God, he'll chase after you. And while it sounds great to just be a person who chases after God, what I know about you, because I know it's true of me, we all get tempted in this life. We all, have a, we all are tempted to chase after things other than God. We all can get caught up very easily chasing and reprioritizing things of this world above him. And the thing is, you can't chase after two things at once, can you? See, in Luke chapter four, Jesus is tempted with several things before he starts his ministry. These temptations, we'll look at, um, excuse me, these temptations are common to all of us. We see Jesus was tempted in the area of ambition, appetite, and approval. And if Jesus was tempted in those areas, we better believe we will be tempted in those areas as well. You see what's going on with Saul versus David. It's not that David was perfect. It's that David was chasing, running after, concerned himself with God. But these three temptations, let's just take the time to look at them. Listen, ambition is when we're chasing after success. Saul was chasing after success that he disobeyed God. Remember when he was supposed to wait to give that sacrifice before Samuel showed up? Saul said, no, we're gonna make sure we win, so I'm gonna go ahead and do it without Samuel being present. Approval is when you chase after what other people think of you rather than what God thinks. Saul chased after the approval of other people, especially as soldiers, when he was more concerned with what they thought than following what God said to do. 
And remember, Saul gets all upset when David gets the praises of men and he doesn't get them. And then appetite is when we chase after the abundance of things. Appetite can be your actual food appetite. That could be a great indicator. But appetite is when you want more, more, and more. We see Saul failed in this area when he was told to kill, remember, all the, the, all the spoils from the battles. He was told to destroy all of it. What'd he do? Well, he saved the good stuff, right? Like, well, the bad, the weak stuff, I got rid of it. But the good stuff, well, I was really keeping it for you, Lord. He's like, no, told you to get rid of all of it. We all can want to keep some good stuff, can't we? You see, in all of us, every person is tempted in the area of ambition, appetite, and approval. And these things aren't necessarily wrong, but when you chase them over chasing God, they can become wrong, and they can become wrong fast. So let's just dive a little deeper into them. You see, chasing after success and being ambitious, being ambitious is not a bad thing. Wanting to be successful and wanting to use all of your God-given talents and abilities for his glory and do good at your career is not a bad thing at all. But what happens when you chase after success and the things that God's asked you to do get put on the back burner? What happens if you're so worried about getting ahead that you're willing to compromise on your morals and your ethics? I mean, you've probably never heard of this, but maybe you've heard of somebody has never happened at your job or your company, but you ever heard of somebody getting a promotion after they badmouth somebody else? Let me get ahead, let me go further, so let me make everybody else look bad around me? Or how about chasing after success that you neglect the things that God have asked you to do? Listen, I'm very prone to this one. Here's the deal, as being a pastor, I can get caught up in work just like you can. And here's the things I have to think about and the things I've been convicted about. Only one person can be a husband to my wife. Only one person can be a father to my kids. But there are a whole lot of people who can do things at the church. How often do I neglect my family for things that other people could be helping with? You see, even pastors can try to chase success and be ambitious. All of us can. You see, look at David. David was considered a man after God's own heart, and he was elevated from shepherd to king. What I find so amazing about this story is David could have worked as hard as he wanted. He could have spent all the hours in fields that he could have imagined. He could have worked amazing amounts of overtime, but there was nothing he could have done to become king. That wasn't a career path for him. It wasn't in his family line. You see, chasing after God, he can put you in places that you could never have dreamed of. Things you could have never earned on your own. David didn't earn the right to be king. David was anointed king because of his heart. You see, if you're constantly chasing success, just know you will go further faster by chasing after God. Because God is the creator and the owner of the entire world. He's in control of all of it. You can't go further faster by putting him on the back burner. Put him in the front and he will take you where he wants you to be. And think about chasing after other people's approval. If you struggle in this area, you always worry what other people think. Well, it's not necessarily bad to be concerned of what other people think about you, it can get bad very quick. 
if you are more concerned how other people feel about you than how God feels about you? What happens when somebody asks you to do something that's contrary to God's word or what God desires? Young people find themselves in this situation all the time, especially in relationships. A boy or girl can like you. You can be so in the, and I know, None of you have ever faced this when you were younger, right? Okay, this is others, right? You can be so in love. You have that relationship. You know that this is going to be the one and that you're going to be happily ever after. I laugh when I say that. Forever. One of them might want to take that relationship to the next level. And you may be sitting there going, well, I don't want to upset them. I I don't want them not to like me. So if I do this thing, then they'll still love me, they'll still like me. You see, we gotta understand, we shouldn't do things for the approval of other people. And anybody who loves you will not want you to compromise your beliefs or your values. Instead, they will respect it and help you do what you believe you're supposed to do. You see, when we chase after other people's approval, we allow what they think to guide our lives. And it's not just teenagers, grown adults, senior citizens, everybody is tempted in this area. Where we're so concerned about others, we neglect doing the right, good thing. So you see, David, when David was sent to check on his brothers, he showed up with the cheeses and the food like his dad told him to do. When his brothers sent him, what'd they say? David, we're glad to see you. No. Remember, David was inquiring. He heard what Goliath said. He's like, man, what's this guy running his mouth for? Doesn't he know who we are? And then his brother said, David, what are you doing here? You're conceited. Why are you checking on this? You shouldn't be here. Go back home. David said, no, I'm going to take this guy out. He went to the king and said, hey, I'm, I'm willing to do this. You know, Goliath wants to fight somebody. I'm willing to do it. What did the king say? No. You're not good enough. So if David was concerned about other people's approval, don't you think he would have listened to his brothers who said he wasn't good, shouldn't be there? Don't you think he would have learned about the king? But listen, David wasn't gonna allow the negative comments that everyone else said to stop him from living into his God-given potential and future. He could have. He could have let all that negativity stop him from facing Goliath. But he didn't. He said, no, my strength comes from God. I'm not worried about you. And it took one stone to take that giant out. You see, David knew where his strength came from. David knew who empowered him. David wasn't concerned about chasing what everybody else thought because he knew that he already had God's approval. He knew God already loved him. And you know what I find so interesting about this story? David didn't chase after what everybody else thought about him. David chased after honoring God. And then everybody started chasing the approval of David. Because when you're king, everybody else cares what you think. By focusing on God, God elevated to him to a position where everybody then worried about him. It's mind-blowing. You run around worrying about everybody else? Well, comparison doesn't help anybody. Did you know that? It does two things when you compare yourself to other people. It either makes you think you're better than you are, which is pride, or it makes you think you're not good enough. 
there's nothing else that happens. Comparison is hurtful. So we see, a, we see that, and then we see chasing after the abundance of thing, appetite. If you struggle in this, food may be an indicator, but it's about never having enough. Wanting a new car, wanting a bigger house, wanting the nicer clothes. It's about never feeling content. And I know you've never done this, but I have. I've bought a lot of cars in my life. And you know what I found out? There's always a newer one. Did you know that? Every time I buy one, it amazes me. There's always a newer one. And what that newer one, oh, it, it never works. Because what I've learned, and, and I've, I don't know if I, I don't think I've told you guys this story. I've owned over 16 cars in 10 years. It's not good math if you start thinking about that, okay? But anyways, what I find is when we take these appetites, these desires we have out of context, or I see appetites aren't wrong, it's when we start chasing after more. Because what you have is every time you buy a car, there's always a newer one. Once you get that salary you always thought was gonna be enough, well, then you could always make another one. Once you get that house, there can always be a bigger one. When you take these things, these natural appetites, and let them get out of control, you just want more and more and more. For instance, and a human appetite that's common to all of us is the sexual desires. And they're a good thing. They're God-given for a specific marital content. But when, we, when they get bad and when they get out of control is when you start chasing those. And next thing you know, you start looking at computers or magazines or in the marital or in the office or with other people. When you start running after that, it can get out of control very, very quick. And you start looking at the wrong things to fulfill those needs. Just chase after God and he'll supply these other things. You see, think about the life of David. After killing Goliath, his popularity soared. Everybody who knew who David was and the king got extremely jealous to the point of David having to leave. David and his army had to leave his home, had to leave his family, had to leave all of his stuff. In fact, when he was on the run, he couldn't even, didn't even have the food he needed to eat. And at one time, so he's running, this guy Saul has made his life completely miserable. He's on the run with his men and Saul has the army. They've closed in on David. David and his men hid in a cave. While they're hitting in a cave, wouldn't you know that King Saul comes to relieve himself by himself? So David's in the back of a cave with all of his men. His men are saying, take him out. This king is the one who's ruined your life. He's made you leave your family. He's made you leave your house. He's made you leave everything you know you're living. Take him out, David. But he didn't. David could have easily justified, wow, this guy's trying to kill me and I didn't do anything. In fact, God anointed me king a couple years ago. Don't know what happened to that, but I could just take him out and get ahead right now, but he didn't. He chose to not do that. You see, David waited for God to move. David waited for God to provide. And instead of chasing after wealth, what he could have instantly had by taking out the king, he ended up getting more than he could have ever asked for. You see, over and over again, David proves to be a man after God's own heart. It doesn't mean he's perfect. If you haven't heard the stories of David, we will see next week, David is far from perfect. He does something that way worse than you'll ever do, at least I hope. But it's not about being perfect. It's about chasing after 
God, about having a heart that wants to know God, wants to be with God, wants to have this deep relationship with him. And I bet if you were honest, there's a reoccurring temptation in your life. Maybe it's chasing after being successful and ambitious. Maybe it's chasing after the approval of people. Or maybe it's chasing your appetites. One of those is probably a main thing in your life. Some of us may be honest and go, well, Brian, actually, I'm pretty good at chasing after all of them. There's a good chance. But you see, chasing after these things are just replacing only a need that God can fill. See, Jesus says it like this in Matthew 33, excuse me, 633. He says, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Remember, we have an all-powerful God who is love, who has a purpose and a plan for your life. God is able to do far more for you when you are chasing after him and allowing him to guide and direct your life. Because we have a God who richly provides for all of our needs. And so for you this morning, what are you chasing after? Would God describe you as a person after his own heart? Would he be able to look down on you and say, he'll do whatever I need him to do? Do you have a relationship with him? You see, now I have a son, I have a daughter and another son, so I have three of them. And they want to be with their daddy. And here's the thing. They can be doing anything at the house. They can be playing with the toys. They can be playing video games. My kid can be doing anything completely distracted. But if daddy grabs those keys, I don't know what it is. They can hear them. It doesn't matter what they are doing. If I grab my keys and head to the door, they are willing to drop anything and everything to be and go with their dad. Are you willing to drop anything and everything to go where God's going? We say, dad, I'm coming. Yeah, I know I'm busy at work. I know I got all this going on, but hey, I'm, I'm, I'm running like a little kid to come get you, dad. We're like, hey, I'm, I got a lot going on. You know, you, you can come with me. I mean, I got a packed schedule. Have you seen my calendar? Are we willing to drop it all? You see, I believe that's what Jesus means when he says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like a little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You see that verse, Matthew 18, says, unless you what? There it is. Okay, unless you, no, this is very important, unless you what? Oh, so it's not automatic. Jesus is talking to grown-ups going, listen, I, I, I know you think you're smart. I, I know you think you got it all figured out. But this whole kingdom of heaven thing, what I'm doing, you act like an adult, you're gonna miss it. Come to me like a little child and you'll get it. You see, children are humble. Children don't think they know everything. Children are utterly dependent upon their parents. I mean, they know they can't do much on their own. They always need to ask for help. You see, my kids don't have pride in doing things on their own, but adults, well, we like to do things on our own. We like to be individualistic. We like to see, I earned it, I did it, I got it. It was all on me, and God's saying, no. No. 
Rely on me. Humble yourself and I'll take you further and faster. Delight yourself and our God. And so for you, what do you need to stop chasing after? If you're chasing after success, just know God can take you further and faster than you can ever do on your own. That's what you constantly see through the scriptures. If you're chasing the abundance of things, know that it'll never be good enough. Every time you get something else, you will want something else. There's a secret of being content, the apostle Paul says. If you chase after other people's approval, know that your worth is not found in what other people think of you. Your worth is found in being a child of the almighty God. That's the approval you want and desire. And he loves you before you've done anything. That's what I love about the story of David. He hasn't done anything but a shepherd. God already knew his name. God already knew who he was. God already knew his heart. And God said, no, this man's going to do something good for me. Before you've done anything for God, he already loves you. You don't have to prove yourself to him. It's mind-blowing. If you chase after God, he'll chase after you. And by doing that, you will have far fewer regrets in this life. He will take you further than you can possibly imagine. And so what do you need to reprioritize? What if you started off tomorrow? Try this. What if you woke up and said, what do you have in store today, Dad? I mean, I know my calendar's busy. I know I got a lot going on, but, but what, what do you got going on? Father, what do you have planned for the day? Do I need to rearrange my schedule? Can I drop something to, to do something you've asked me to do? What if you just said, hey, what do you have going on? Can I get a peek at the schedule, God? You say, well, Brian, he's not gonna like show me his, his, his calendar and what he's doing. Who knows what he might do? When was the last time you asked? Imagine if we just offered every morning, Lord, I've reprioritized everything I got going on today for you. What are you doing? And how can I help? Imagine what he could do with that. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we just thank you for being a God who loves us. We thank you for being a God who cares for us. We thank you that you know our hearts. And although we fail, although we struggle, we know that you still love us and care for us. Father, help us be people who seek your heart, who are willing to drop everything at a moment's notice to be with you, to go with you, and to be about your plans. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ and that relationship we can have with you through him. Father, we love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.